Well, this fall, we have been exploring the various spiritual pathways by which people connect with God and experience spiritual growth. And as we have said, we're all different in this regard. Some of us best connect with God when we are outdoors, reveling in nature, and this is the outdoors, this is the nature mecca of the world, right? This is God's country. Uh, and uh, those who find that they are very close to God uh, in nature are, uh, are uh, those who walk the creation pathway. Some feel God's presence most keenly when they are thinking about God, uh, observing people around. Uh, they read, they study the Word of God. This is the intellectual pathway. And then there are those who experience God most directly uh, when uh, they are involved in worship, in song, and celebration. Again, the worship pathway. Or when people are engaged in, a, or when they are engaged in a righteous cause, the activist pathway. Still others feel closest to God through ritual and symbol, the traditionalist pathway, or when they're meeting the practical needs of others, the serving pathway. But there's one other pathway that we have not yet picked up to talk about, and that is uh, the uh, contemplative pathway. Now, these are people who kind of march the beat of a different drummer. Uh, these folks require long blocks of uninterrupted time alone. They are comfortable with solitude and silence. They earnestly seek God in the quietness of their own soul. And David in Psalm 63 really expresses the desire of the contemplative. In, in such a beautiful way, actually. Psalm 63, which reads, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Contemplatives uh, do not so much want to do as much as they want to just be in God's presence. Mary, the mother uh, or the, the sister of Martha, comes to mind. And uh, I don't know if you remember the story. We read in the Gospel of Luke. We'll read it now. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. 
Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Martha is the classic serving pathway person, right? She always has to be doing. She flies into action. She's a doer. She busies, herself, she busies herself in the kitchen to throw together a meal that her guests would like, and the rules of hospitality at the time required it. And chances are it wasn't only Jesus who was there, but some of His disciples as well. And so there would have been a lot to do. And so here she is. She's throwing around pots and pans, making sure that everybody hears the uproar. And she gets really irritated with her sister Mary, just sitting there while she's doing all the work, even complaining about her to Jesus. But Mary, the contemplative, finds it sufficient just to be in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord even commends her for it, saying that she has chosen what is better. Now, every one of us needs to sit at the feet of Jesus, as it were, and listen to what He has to say. We all need to be in the presence of the Lord before we can be effective in doing for the Lord. Listening to Him is a priority for all who would follow Him. In that sense, we, we all need to follow the example of Mary, contemplative or not, right? We could all afford to slow down a little bit and linger in the Lord's presence in moments of quietness. And not only is it good for us, but I think that the Lord cherishes the times when we are fully present to Him, giving Him our full attention. And we can imagine that God seeing us rush about in, in all of our doing good, saying to Himself, if only they would stop for a few moments and simply give me themselves. Again, the Lord must cherish those times when He really has our full attention. How often is that, actually? But there are some folks, being in the presence of the Lord just comes naturally. They are easily distracted by the noise and all the activity around them, and so they crave moments of solitude and silence so that they can listen for God's still, small voice. They know something of the truth proclaimed in the Christmas carol, A Little Town of Bethlehem. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. For contemplatives, God's blessings come especially in the silence. Prayer seems to come more naturally for these folks. They simply delight to be in God's presence. I think of a, of a story of a, a simple man, a, kind of a common laborer, who every morning on his way to work would stop at, at uh, the church, and he would walk into the church sanctuary, and he would spend about 20 minutes, and then he would get up to leave. And then he would do the same thing late in the afternoon after work. He would just come in and sit there about 20 minutes. And the pastor noticed this and asked him what prayer liturgy he was using. 
And he said, well, pastor, I just come in and sit for a few minutes, and then I say, Jesus, it's me, Jimmy. And he says, Jimmy, it's me, Jesus. And we just sit there together for a while. Contemplatives, as I say, delight just in being in God's presence. That's enough. They crave intimacy with God. They lose themselves in mindful adoration. They love to meditate on God's greatness and God's goodness and to explore the depths of God's love in their heart and soul and mind. There's a beautiful verse in the Bible that reads, it's actually a reference to the Hebrew tribe of Benjamin, but it reads like this, Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in Him, for He shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. That's a beautiful description of a contemplative. One who rests between the Lord's shoulders. The contemplative pathway no doubt appeals to the natural introverts among us. Extroverted activists would have a hard time walking very far down this pathway although I think they would do well to stretch in this regard. I like uh, the way Pastor John Ortberg describes the difference between activists and and contemplatives. He says, when an activist says, I'll call you back, that means I'll call you back as soon as I get home, if not sooner, because I do have a cell phone with me at all times. And when when a contemplative says, I'll call you back, it means I'll call you back before I die. Probably right before. (laughs) So, the contemplatives prefer life in the slow lane. For them, silence is golden. Uh, In fact, it's it's kind of interesting, uh, you know, how much silence can we stand? I think it's probably different for each of us, but have you tried that little experiment with silence? Uh, We do it a little bit in a SELA service, but, but anyway, can you spend... 10 minutes just sitting there, not looking at anything in particular, just trying to to sit in God's presence? How do you do? (laughs) That's, That's really difficult for a lot of people because our lives are constantly filled with noise, right? Man, the extroverts among us, they'd hate that. What do you do for 10 minutes? Just sit there? Man. You might try that. Can you do 15 minutes, 20 minutes? Or do you go crazy? That's actually a pretty good gauge as to whether you're a contemplative or not, how comfortable you are with that little silence thing. Um, You know, the most extreme contemplatives, uh, of course, would probably be happiest in a monastery or a convent. Speaking of monasteries, I remind the story of the monk uh, who, uh, who knocked on the door of a monastery. He wanted to join this particular order. And the, uh, the abbot of the monastery uh, greeted the brother saying, well, that's wonderful. You can, you can certainly stay here and be part of us, but you need to know that we're a silent monastery. So you cannot speak unless I direct you to do so. 
And so Brother John agreed uh, to the rules, and uh, so he spent one whole year without saying a word. And, uh, and then when the year had passed, the abbot said to him, okay, Brother John, you've been here for a year now. You can say two words. And Brother John said, hard bed. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, said the abbot, but we'll try and get you a better bed. Next year, Brother John, again, spent a year of silence. The year was up. The abbot said, okay, Brother John, you can now say two words. Brother John said, cold food. And so the abbot assured him that the food will we'll try, we'll try and make it better next, next time. But on his third anniversary at the monastery, the abbot again called Brother John into his office. Two words you may say, Brother. Brother John said, I quit. <laughs> and the abbot says, probably for the best, all you've done since you've been here is complain. So, if you resonate with a contemplative pathway, then by all means lean into it. Do whatever it takes to find regular, protected, undistracted times to be alone. You might want to take a, a personal spiritual retreat and do nothing but think and reflect and meditate and pray. There are different approaches to prayer and to meditation that you can explore. Contemplatives often like to journal. They like to express their thoughts on paper, uh, you know, their feelings and uh, prayers written down. If you haven't been to a Sila service in our church, then by all means give it a try. Sila doesn't just appeal to contemplative types, but you will find that Sila's quietness and freedom from distractions to be quite refreshing. But as we have seen with all the other spiritual pathways we've talked about, there are certain dangers and there are certain temptations. And one danger is to devalue this particular pathway because society rewards the doers and the producers and the networkers. Contemplatives don't often wind up on too many magazine covers. And so you may feel pressure, therefore, to think that times alone with God are a waste of time. Far from it, actually, because as we've seen, the Lord doesn't think so. Mary didn't think so, no matter what the Marthas of this world may say. So we might have to give ourselves permission to indulge this pathway. Solitude and silence is good for us spiritually and otherwise. And whoever doesn't think that prayer is productive is crazy. Prayer is very important work. And so, you know, those monks that live in those, uh, you know, like the Trappist monks that live in silence, it's not just silence. They're people of prayer, and they're doing work. Another danger for contemplatives is to lose balance in life. God wants us to enjoy His presence not only in times alone, but with others. Be careful that you do not retreat so much into your rich interior world that you neglect your relationships. 
It's tempting to withdraw from others when you find those relationships with others disappointing and frustrating and draining. Remember that a solitary Christian is a contradiction in terms. God has called us to live out our Christian lives in community with other believers. Time alone with God must be balanced with time to be together in the Lord. Our spiritual growth requires it. It's how God made us. We are people who need people to be spiritually and emotionally, relationally whole. And then finally, contemplatives dare not forget doing good works of service. Prayer and practical actions always go together. Again, there has to be a balance, right? It's not enough just to be in God's presence, as important as that is, but you also have to do. And we cannot so neatly separate being from doing. So, do you resonate with the contemplative pathway? Uh, If so, then you would probably uh, agree with most of these statements. I love to spend time in solitude, and busyness drains me. I have a large capacity for prayer and for private worship. I would like to put boundaries around my schedule so that I can spend more time alone with God. I feel closest to God when my emotions are awakened, when God quietly touches my heart, tells me that He loves me, and makes me feel like I am His closest friend. I would rather be alone with God contemplating His love than participating in a formal liturgy or being distracted by a walk outside. The words adoration, intimacy, and heart are very appealing to me. I would enjoy reading the transforming friendship. When I think of God, I think of love, friendship, adoration more than anything else. So, we have come to the end of our exploration of the spiritual pathways by which we connect with God. There is no one-size-fits-all spirituality to which we all must adhere. There is no one way everyone must connect with God, but God has wired us all differently, and therefore we should appreciate and celebrate the differences among us. Heed, therefore, this command. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's spiritual walk. Uh, You know, I, for one, uh, tend to envy those true contemplatives who can spend hours in prayer. It just seems so spiritual to me, you know? Um, And I've always felt like, oh, I'm a pastor. I should be praying hours on end. It's important work, after all. But then I've decided, well, you know, maybe that's, even though I really enjoy silence and I'm kind of a natural introvert, I'm I'm not really a true contemplative. And you know what? I don't have to be. (laughs) I don't have to spend hours in prayer. It's not necessarily the way that God has wired me, but God has wired me differently. So, I mean, I respond to the, uh, I guess I'm kind of more into the intellectual, you know, that kind of that direction. Um... But see, there's freedom in, you know, giving yourself permission to be who you are. You don't have to be like anybody else. You don't have to be like a saint, right? Uh, you don't have to be Mother Teresa. <laughs> you just have to be more truly you. 
however God has made you. That's freeing. And since we all connect with God differently, let us remember, therefore, not to judge others. Love demands that we respect and validate the spiritual pathways of others, even though they may be very different than our own. That's really key in a church. There's all different spiritual temperaments, right? People have different styles of spirituality, different ways they connect with God. And so rather than just cutting people off, saying, oh, that's horrible, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be singing songs like that. No. We say, isn't it wonderful that those things are that person's heart language? It's bringing them closer to God. Isn't that great? So we validate it. We celebrate it, right? So over this series of messages, you have probably identified with one or more of the pathways. Whether it's the creation, intellectual, worship, activist, traditionalist, serving, or contemplative pathway, or a combination thereof, and chances are, you know, we are a combination. So, as I say, as I've been saying, lean into your pathway, structure that, the practices of that pathway into your life, engage in those practices that bring you closest to God, but don't be afraid to experiment with other pathways because, as I say, stretching is always good for us. And who knows, you may just discover a whole new way to worship or a way to get close to God that, that you had never dreamed of, but it's, it's become helpful to you. However we connect with God, let's make sure it happens. And thankfully, it's God who makes the connection possible, right? God has already established open lines of communication with us through His Son, Jesus Christ, who came to reconcile us to Himself. If we can connect with God, it's only because God chooses to connect with us. And what a way He did it, by sending us His Son, Jesus, who walked among us full of grace and truth. And this great God who shows Himself in Jesus Christ is walking among us now, and He's reaching out to you and to me, and He's saying, follow me, receive my love, walk with me. However God has made you, walk with Him. Amen.